Hello? Striker. Who's this? Striker, it's me. Davey. Davey Havoc. Yeah. Are you at my place or you're on your way? Yeah, no, I'm out front. I just parked. Oh, okay. I'm going to come out and grab you. Are you ready? No, I need six minutes. <laughs> really? No, I need four minutes. Okay, I'll shop. Davey, there's no shopping outside of my place. There's only squirrels out there and coyotes. Oh, oh contraire, Striker. You do not know the wonders of shopping applications on your phone, obviously. <laughs> oh, you're online shopping. <laughs> yes. Are you going to buy yourself a nice suit? It's possible. It's possible. I did just get a what may be the best suit I've ever owned. Oh, man. Okay, well, listen, here. Yeah. Shop online. I'm going to grab the okay. front door in just a couple minutes from now, and then you'll be on the show, okay? Okay, bye. <laughs> Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music and I love those that create it. Stryker's here. Tuna on toast. Yes. Tuna on toast. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. But today, it's called Avocado on Toast as we welcome Davey Havoc to the show. Avocado on Toast, June on Toast, is brought to you by Hammer Toyota here in Southern California, out there in Mission Hills. Hey, when it's time to lease a car, buy a car, truck, SUV, support the folks that support this podcast. I hadn't recorded one second of the podcast, and they said, Striker, we want to work with you. They're incredibly loyal, and they're just they're, they're great people, and they will treat you like a rock star. It's H-A-M-E-R, Hamer Toyota. Are you hunkered down? You're going on a long drive or a hike. Maybe you're about to be on the Stairmaster for 60 minutes. You're going to need more than 60 minutes or you're cleaning up your house and you have this uh, tuna on toast, avocado on toast blasting through your phone. Davey Havoc is one of the most lovely, um, credible and incredible humans that you're ever going to meet. He's a guy that has never and will never, this is important, has never and will never sacrifice his art to get a leg up on the rest of the world. He's going to create what he wants to create and how he wants to do it, whether it's with AFI or Black Audio, Dream Car, writing novels, whatever it is, he's going to do it how he sees the vi- He's not going to He's not going to sacrifice anything because it's going to give him 33% more success. We get into a lot of different stuff over the next 75 minutes, and I actually made a list of, of not everybody, but people that are mentioned in this interview, in this chat. So keep an ear open for the following human beings. And this is a random list, but they're all mentioned. Okay, Jennifer Tilly, Katy Perry, Phil Locke, Euphoria, White Lotus, Aaron Rodgers, Phoebe Bridgers, Tim Armstrong, Danza, Gacy, DC, Madonna, Alphaville, Thrasher Magazine, Stormy Shepard, Trey Cool, Aaron Axelson, Skinhead Rob, Josh Richmond, Tony Orlando, Vanilla Ice, Flava Flav, Adam Sandler, and Courtney Love. <laughs> They're all mentioned. Oh, man. Yes, I cleaned up a little bit extra around this place when Davey Havoc came over. So let's get to it. Here he is, the one, the only, Davey Havoc. Your outfit is unbelievable. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Oh my gosh. The shoes, the socks, oh. the layer, all of it. I'm like embarrassingly, the way I dress is is often like an ad. I found more and more that I tend to uh, unconsciously wear head to toe, same designer usually. Not today, thankfully. Because I find when I realize I'm doing it, I, especially yeah. including like a sock, 
But don't the designers see yeah. you and say, I wish. <laughs> no, of course, no. <laughs> these designers they ain't looking is at that, me. Is that new or is that? I just put it up. Oh, we just that there. Yeah, but we're not opening it. They're not looking at me. They're looking at whoever the modern Chloe Sevigny is. Well, I don't know that, who that. <laughs> that clock is autographed by Flavor Flav. So, <laughs> did you go to those Adam Sandler Christmas parties? I went to. I've been to two of those over all the years. Did you see me sing? No. Okay. So at one of them, I was invited to sing. Adam brings you to his. I mean, it's a whole thing at the bowling place, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But prior. He's got everybody lined up. There are rehearsals. You pick your, you negotiate your songs with the band that knows how to play with that whole. Songs, and, right? Well, they learn it all, right? And so I went to Adam's house, met this guy who Siri tried to text the other day, whose name I can't remember. There's like ninety year old Jewish man who's like his guy, and he it was like Mort or you know and. Sandy or Mort or something, right? right? Yeah. Right. I, I've met that guy before. Is it Sandy? I, it's fucking it's, Sandy, isn't it? It may be Sandy. I met him at a... T I went to see Tony Orlando, the old... Do you know who that is? In in uh, Palm Springs. Yeah. And this guy was there. Adam's guy. Yeah. Is his, his name Sandy? Because Tony was it? in one of Adam's movies. Oh, which one? That's My Boy, I think it's called. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you know the guy. <laughs> yes, and I know. That's set up. We rehearsed. I'm doing, I'm set to sing um, Don't Change by NXS. Whoa, are which, you serious? Piece of trivia. When I tell this story, at one point recently, I recognized that that is the most covered song by Davey Havoc. So I sang it with Adam Sandler. Perfect song. Jade and I did a version of it for a December Underground B-side. Okay. Oh, yeah, um, right. I sang it with... <laughs> Dear boy, this lo local LA band. Benjamin. Was, you know Ben? Yep. And I then, talked to him today in email. No way. Yeah. Wild. And then I did it with, um, and then Dreamcar would cover it almost every night on tour. So you've done it a lot. AFI. Dreamcar. Dreamcar. Dear uh, boy. Adam Sandler. <laughs> Poor, that's the only How'd song you do I've that night? That's the story. Oh, so, God. So yeah, that's right. That's the, <laughs> that's the story. So I, I'm with Josh Richmond on the side of the stage. Courtney Love is sitting on the side of the stage with Frances Bean, both dressed identical, because she's she's going to do. Uh, she was supposed to do Human League with them. I don't know what she ended up doing, but Courtney or was going to do a Courtney Human League was song. Going to do uh, the big hit, uh, "Don't You Want Me?" Yeah, with Girl, that. Don't I don't think me. they did it though. But I'm waiting to go on, and I'm watching the crowd, and you know that crowd. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, and Vanilla Ice goes on and does. Ice Ice Baby oh. and whatever other Vanilla Ice hit that that <laughs> other one. No. Drop that zero and get with the hero song. Wow. Right. Wow. <laughs> no. But he did the he did he did the whatever original version of that and then some other hit that I also recognize and brought the house down. And Josh and I look at each other like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. I'm about to play a small minor minor in excess hit in the gamut of in ex in excess hits to this crowd who loves who Ice only Ice knows Baby. a plus hits right. probably not b minus yes hits. yes a and, plus songs and, but b minus and, hits and probably <laughs> none by in excess and i'm like oh this is and me and we're like uh well i've done this my whole life i've performed songs that people don't know or don't care oh. about to large audiences i'm like all right i'll just do it again and so the crowd is just losing their minds. 
before ice. Um, but before me, uh, Flavor Flav went on. So Vanilla Ice, he does the thing. Then Flavor the thing. Flav Everyone's goes going, up. Then Flavor Flav goes on. He's doing some weird things, just kind of meandering about the stage, kind of talking, <laughs> saying his name forever. Forever. So long that the crowd is so brutalized by this experience oh that when God. I come up and do any song, it was fine. Good for you. It was fine. So you brought the house down with your NXS song that you did not bring the house down, but kind of kind of brought people back to the house a little bit. Have you talked to Adam Sandler since that day? No. Damn. I'd love to. He was so so welcoming and so nice, and he's so talented. And I was really excited because I, my friend, goes on record always. His favorite actor is Adam Sandler, on record, and he's, he's a real actor. Yeah. He Punch is. Drunk love. Okay, but this was. Uh oh, yeah. Give him the trophy. <laughs> right. Both the PT and the Uncut Gems. And who directed Uncut Gems? The, yeah, the Safety Okay, right, right. That's right. I had been trying to bring my friend, okay. who is uh, is a private chef, and he's so busy, and he could never come to the party. And then finally, when I was performing. I said, you better be around this year because what's going to happen is I'm going to perform and then we're going to be hanging out in some sort of green room or something and Adam is going to come up and say hi and you're just going to very casually meet Adam Sandler that way. Sure. I know it's going to happen. Of course. And that's exactly what happened oh. in this giant room filled with his family, with Adam's family yeah. and like famous people and just all that Adam just comes over. He's like, hey, Davey, how you doing? And I'm like, good. He's like, are you ready? Or, you know, and we're just hanging. And my buddy's standing right there. And I'm like, this is Aaron. It was the best. And Adam best. was gracious and all that. It was the Aaron. best. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And then up, I have a private story that was sparked that night that I will. Okay. And this show, by the way, Tune on Toast, it's consumed in two ways. Some people only listen to it on okay. Spotify or Apple. Okay. And then there's, I'm finding a large group who only watch it only on YouTube. Watch it. yep. It's crazy. I thought it was going to be the other way around where it would be like, hey, I the YouTube's crazy. I bet. Well, I think it's human nature to want to see it. To want to see available. the other monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> doing their monkey stuff. Right. <laughs> That's what we're doing. All right. Uh, AFI Black Audio Dream Car. Uh, he's written two novels, clothing designer, and Davey Havoc can do 570 push-ups a day. Clothing designers and can do 570 push-ups a day. Maybe more. Is that right? I don't recommend <laughs> it. Though I eventually harmed myself in a very unique way, like I I pulled something in my throat. Is that real? Yeah, I think so. That's what we finally discovered recently during quarantine from, I believe, excessive push-ups. Okay, hold on a minute here. <laughs> so hold let's, on let's a minute. start there. So you're it's quarantine. Also, the show is called today Avocado on Toast. Thank you. And just so you know, Davy, I reached out to get a whole new sign made that said Avocado on Toast. Oh. But here's what happened. Unfortunately, to get the same sign and the same look, it was four hundred and something dollars. And I wanted. We can't do that. I I know it should be avocado. No, yes, you are. Yes, you are. (laughs) We can't do that. But yes, I would have felt terrible. But that thought means a lot. It is avocado on toast today. And I also told you before we walked in here that this house is probably I think it's right around a sixty-five percent vegan household. Yes, I love that. And at some point. I think it'll be a hundred. I got you, but we got a ways to go till we get there. Let's but do it. We're way over fifty percent. I'm here to help. Okay, 
whatever whatever those ways are, I can help you All right. overcome them. Hold on. I got to get to the okay. quickly here with the, the throat thing. So you're working out during quarantine. You're doing push-ups. When did you realize there was something going on in your throat when it, you tried to sing? It w- No, well... There was a there was an issue being that it was concurrent with something else that actually was happening to my vocal cords. So I thought they were the same thing. They ended up being independent and pretty boring. Um, but my voice was also weak at the time, which in, I believe, uh, in summation was due to really just latency, um, just because I wasn't speaking speaking right or I, I was quiet i was by myself and locked down and not speaking a lot and not singing a lot so maybe that was what happened to my vocal cords vocal cords are great we couldn't figure out what would happen to cause this it felt like when you would swallow there was um like just like a like a cherry pit okay. uh, not like you were not like you feel when you have a sore throat mm-hmm. but like something was stuck in your throat um you know like daddy's voice like morrissey saying <laughs> um and I believe I felt it the very first time mid mid rep, and I thought I was I thought I was like oh I'm getting a little sick because it was a swallow it's a swallow and it's not this or this or this okay. it, it was a swallow and um it took months and months and months I'm and so months and months no it was, it, it was just annoying it wasn't terrible no, but didn't you go down the rabbit hole in the I internet? did go down the rabbit of hole course. oh I didn't go what on the internet I went in an MRI I went through all oh. the doctors trying to figure out what was going on. And no one was certain, but the best theory was that it was um, a, a muscular pull, like a Charlie horse. But I feel it was more of a pull, knowing how pulls heal and knowing how Charlie horses are healed by, you know, kneading them out. And that didn't work. Um, so that's so boring. No, it's not. Thank you. I'm really sorry that happened. No, it's all right. Are you 100% healed from that? That doesn't hurt anymore. My voice is great. I, I went to my vocal coach for some exercises. I now do. My life has changed because I'm so obsessive, and obviously it's my voice, which is you know a huge part of my entire life. Yes, Even I when I'm not yes. <laughs> professionally do it, I'm singing all the time, and as you know, I'm talking all the time. And uh, my vocal cords were, one of the cords wouldn't, uh, react properly so vocal cords are like this and when you make a sound they do this striker probably knows this yes from his yes 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 um and one of them the right cord was just a little slow causing my voice to be kind of warbly kind of the effect of a of a baby deer type shaky <laughs> sound traumatizing but i rehabbed it by way of doing vocal exercises that strengthen it and i was doing those uh twice a day until it got better, which took about six weeks. It was fine. Um, That's a long time. It was t- to it's get a better. long time. With your moneymaker is it was your voice. It was stressful. And your face, yours in particular, because it's beautiful. I, I appreciate and that. Then it once was. One of them is not going great. That just had to be again, as I said, a mind f. But I'm I'm glad you've you've it was 100% stressful. healed. But now, yes, I do it every morning upon waking. The push-ups or the vocal exercises? The vocal exercises. <laughs> Can Later you give an example than, of a vocal exercise or will it hurt you right now? No, they're very common vocal exercises. It's just a pattern of doing them. One that I didn't normally do is a hung, 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 and holding it or holding burbles longer. Just holding it. You singers have done this. Um, and uh, But I do it for an hour. I wake up and I turn on the exercises and I do it every day now because I'm obsessive because I'm thinking well what will it's not going to hurt to make my voice stronger every day or to make sure it stays at this place right yeah all right so listen as we are sitting here today yes 
Luckily, your voice is great. You look great. Everything's great. We're a few weeks away from a New Year's Eve Black Audio show. I'm so excited. Wait a minute. When is the last time you've performed singing in any band on stage? Ramon's X. Oh, Halloween. So it was the Halloween season, but it was early October. Yes. And that's right. Prior to that, I hadn't performed since AFI played the final show of the Smashing Pumpkins tour in. 2018 summer of 2018 which honestly traditionally it's not that strange for me to go that long without being on stage but as we talked about earlier uh, because of the pandemic we also weren't recording music or writing music I wasn't so I wasn't singing that actually I was writing some other music but um not a ton of it not how we normally behave um so that aspect was different but having not been on stage that long it got to it got to be close to the the most amount of time i've i've been without being on stage performing but i'll tell you it was so fun to perform with ramones i saw some of the videos online and it looked great and it sounded great how many rehearsals have you and Jade had for the New Year's Eve show? More zero. Than zero. Oh, zero. Okay. Zero. But that's okay. Fear not. I have. I. We've agreed upon a set. I've. You been, have. So you've gotten emails or texts. So Black Audio rehearses separately. Uh, we don't need to really rehearse together. I can rehearse those songs on my own, and we usually get together once before Black Audio well, goes on tour. You're a guy that is. You like to make sure things are ready to go. Yeah. You get yourself ready by doing these vocal exercises. Yeah. But you rehearse on your own, Jade not in the room, before these shows? Yeah. For Black it's, Audio? It, it works. We've always done it that way. Uh, because aside from there being any sort of technical difficulties with the production, with the sound, um, by the time Jade and I get together, we're, we both know it. And in the case of this set list and this New Year's Eve, there's only a handful of songs that we haven't performed before. Very, very few. Uh, So there's muscle memory there and there's sense memory there with so many songs that it doesn't take long for us to refresh, for me to refresh my memory on on those songs. And uh, yeah, yeah, so I listened to the whole set today while I'm at the gym and it's very active listening. I have to actually sometimes pause the music so I don't harm myself lifting weights for not being mindful of what my body's doing right because I'm being mindful of you know the timing and you know the lyric or the melody or whatever aspect of the song I need to refresh wow <laughs> that is so cool to know that while you're at the gym you're listening to the set list and I've written head- songs at the gym is that right? Countless times. And now when okay, when you say you're writing songs at the Lyrics. gym, right, right. But are you Lyrics. saying are you going into your phone, giving a line, and I'm, ty- it? I'm typing them. So oh, you are. So typically, it'll happen on cardio when I'm in a flow state, and or I'll be pressed for time, and I'll know that I can finish these lyrics at the gym. Or again, I'm unfortunately obsessive. I'll just be struck with an alteration I need to make or the right word for a certain part. And I'll just, I'll just do it in the middle. Sometimes at that point, if I'm lifting weights, I'll yeah. move to cardio because I know I can walk upstairs and, and get this out at the same time. Or That's so, so when I'm doing something like this with you today, <laughs> yeah. or if I'm doing another interview and to, for me, it's like the biggest thing. Oh my God, I better do. I'll be in the shower and 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes goes by 
I don't even realize it. I'm thinking about preparing. Right. What are, what are the highlights? What are the bullet points? Right. What's the tone? What's what's everything? And that's because you care so, so much. I do. What shows? I do. Which has always shown. Thank you. In how good you are. Thank you. Shows through and you being you being the best and um, yeah, we're the same in that regard for sure. We have we have, we have so much in common. We do, Mr. Striker. I know, Mr. Havoc. Uh, where is the New Year's Eve show? The Black Audio show. So the New Year's Eve show is at Pico Union project it's called it looks beautiful i've never been there before i've heard of it the first i heard of it there's a band called ritual house i believe they're from the south forgive me you guys if you're not um but they're a really cool um bleak guitar based sounding post-punk band that i really enjoy and they went and played there and i had no idea and i saw a woman wearing their shirt at a club huh. once i'm like where'd you get that shirt she's very intoxicated and she <laughs> articulated to me that she saw them at this Jewish community center. I believe it's okay. a community center. It has stained glass in it, which I didn't think was historically part of Judaism. I, I always attribute that to Catholicism. Right. Um, it's beautiful. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I, the black audio shows are always such a good time. It's, it's such a different vibe because um, it's, you know, black audio is more celebratory of right. life yes. than, um, than other projects that I am in uh and it's perfect for new year's eve it's such a it's such a great celebration and yes. black audio is the only act that i've been in that has performed multiple times on on new year's eve afi played a couple of songs once on mtv on new year's eve or maybe a song two songs in times square on tv it was two songs was it fun doing that was yeah AFI? it was very very yeah. fun yeah very fun great that was great um, but as far as actual shows and live performances, Black Audio played on New Year's Eve in San Francisco at a place called um, Mezzanine, I believe, which was a really cool club. And to tell you what year it was, Katy Perry opened. Okay, so this had to be... You've put out five Black Audio albums? Yeah. and That's we're, amazing. We were close to being finished with the sixth, and we're still working on okay. it, but we're... So Sex well, Cells, let's uh, see that. So oh, that's wow. 2007. So this must have been 2007 or 8 range, my yeah, guess. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah, it was. I think it was maybe 8 to 9 or 7 to 8. Okay, yeah. And, you know, Katy Perry had maybe kissed a girl at that point. She sent us Chapstick, by the way, mm. when uh, Kissed a Girl came out. And oh, not Cherry many Chapstick. People knew. Yes, and she sent us all with her name on it at K-Rock. She sent us all Chapstick. Jesus. And she went from very sweet someone woman. in the very sweet, the alternative yeah. world, and then exploded into the yeah. mainstream. But still, I think, has that has an attitude that I'm very much in favor of. I agree. I like her a lot. She's, she's, she's very nice to me. I'm a super fan. Oh, really? Yeah, I Where, became. So wait, when did you cross paths? We've at that show? Well, at that show. No, actually, we didn't even meet at that show. And I'm trying to think when I first, I, I honestly don't know when I first crossed paths with her. Um, Was she a fan of the band? I don't think so. Fan of your style, I'm sure. I don't think so. <laughs> She's just nice. <laughs> She's like, oh, this is cute. I don't think this she goes up to everybody and has a conversation. This strange, this strange man. Oh, she's not coming up to me and having a conversation. I'm punishing her. <laughs> um, but she's always been very nice to me. She, she is at least a vegan sympathizer. I would often see her at Crossroads um, later on. But I don't know. But when we run into each other, I always, she's always, you know, I'll go to her show and, and say hi to her. And she, there was this moment in Oakland once where I was wearing this uh, raspberry, raspberry red 
Mark Jacobs suit and I went to the floor to watch her and it was the end of the set yeah. and I was audience left stage right and this was the tour where she had the foam gun oh right yes yeah. yes and and suddenly <laughs> no. foam is being shot everywhere no. and you have the Mark she, Jacobs suit on? she has the gun and Katie beelines stage right and is firing this gun <laughs> at me. I'm in a panic, just just scuttling backwards, oh, squealing. God. And she says in her Paula Abdul mic, you're at a Katy Perry show now, bitch. <laughs> talking to you? I don't know. It felt that way to me. Of course you were wearing that suit. I feel like everyone's talking to so, me. Have you ever been on one of those like uh, People magazine Best dress list or absolutely anything? not. Why they have to know not? who you are to be in that magazine. They, oh, you're selling yourself so short right now. I took a friend of mine to a black audio show in Vegas. He's not really a music fan. He's a professional poker player. Phil Locke. We had a good time. Yes. Yes. He still talks about that show. Wow. His girlfriend is Jennifer Tilly. Yes. So, of course. Yes. Crash. Yes. And I'll tell you the first time I saw Jennifer Tilly. It's wild. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to remember this. Most people don't. Key West. Key West was a short-lived series okay. in the 80s about one of the Key West islands. I was very young. And Jennifer Tilly, I believe, played a sex worker hmm. on the island. And there was like voodoo elements, I think. But it was, I, I barely remember it. But I feel like I watched the whole single season that ever aired on TV whatever year you were the it fan was. of that show. and that was and that was the first time I'd seen Jennifer Tilly and then later crash and then but not in not in Vegas She's so nice um yeah that show was really really fun are there any shows you've watched over the last two years television shows yeah I don't watch TV very much but it just so happens that um, some very good friends of mine really 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 encouraged me to watch two shows okay enough so that one I watched on tour when I was out with the pumpkins over the course of like one day off, I just watched the whole show. And that was the first season of Euphoria, which I loved. Okay, right. And they were correct. And then the other was recently. It was um, it was White Lotus. Oh, wow. Oh yeah, God. which I really enjoyed as well. A little lighter than... Um, than <laughs> Pineapple Sweet. Wow. What the hell, Davey? Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a good time. Yes. So I, I, I've heard that there's going to be another season of that, which I really look forward to. The acting was so good. Superb. In that show. Superb. Every, every actor. Superb. A++ plus plus for everybody. Great writing. Yeah. Beautifully shot. Gets a little on the nose, but I mean, hey. Yeah. Some people, you got to say it to them directly. That's I right. never do. Right. I never do. Davey, I have so many questions uh, yes. now about all the projects you have done. I think that you are underrated in a way in terms of like how much material you have given to the world over the last 30 years. AFI, oh. at least you and Adam, at AFI, yeah. 30 years. And, and there is 11 studio albums, maybe 10 EPs. And then you got the five black audio albums, soon, possibly a six soon. And then the dream car and the novels and the clothing. Extremist. <laughs> Is it trying to think you, of what else? Are you afraid? Son of Sam. <laughs> Have you heard of that? No. There's another one. Oh, my God. I made a record uh, with a group called Son of Sam. When was that? Which was put together by Todd Youth, rest in peace. Um, Todd, who was in Agnostic Front and Murphy's Law and um, the beloved New York band Degeneration. Uh, and 
he was playing in Samhain, aka Sawin, on the tour that AFI did with them and Danzig, and the members of Samhain wanted to put together a band with me singing and um, call it Son of Sam. <laughs> Very cheeky. <laughs> and they asked me to sing, and I said, does Glenn know about this? And they said, yeah, he's cool with it. In fact, he's going to play some keyboards on it or something. Oh. And so we uh, we wrote and recorded a record in maybe 2000s. Yeah. So there's another one. Do you constantly work because you're afraid of not being on people's mind? And they're going to be like, oh, it's Davey Havoc. Or do you work because you just can't believe you get this opportunity? What makes you tick with co- ne- never just kicking your feet up, really, and sitting on the beach in Brazil? It's a pretty – I enjoy kicking my feet up. I really do. In fact, the quiescence of the quarantine was something that I really embraced. I, I'm inspired to create by life and by living, and that's actually the answer to the question – um, you know, you could call it solipsism. I, I'm, I'm very in, inclined to express my feelings and I, I love art so much. And since I was very young, I've had that drive to participate in the creation of art because it moves me so much. And, and the artists that I love are so important to me. I'm inspired to, to create myself. You knew that early on that arts was your thing, like when you were 10 years old, or was it more like I don't think I was old? so conscious of that language, but yeah, I, I, I started listening to music when, I mean, I was so young. My, my, my grandfather sang to me, my mom and dad would, would sing. No one was a professional musician. Um, but I, you know, I got my first for my fifth birthday, I asked for an ACDC record. It happened to be the year that Black, Back in Black came out. Oh my this God. is in Rochester, New York. And when my grandmother took me to the House of Guitars in Irondequoit, which is still there. And uh, that was the year Back in Black came out. So I got Back in Black. And uh, from there, I, I, I went, you know, I was, MTV later happened and Friday Night Videos and But why did you gravitate towards a certain kind of music? Uh, like, did you love... Uh, I don't know, Spice Girls and Backstreet Boys, or was it Danzig, Misfits? Like, how did you know? So, I mean, my trajectory really was, I I was so young when I began listening to music that it was just informed by what was the most popular music. It was informed by pop culture, and ACDC was and is gigantic. Yes, yes, yes. And that had an allure to it and a, a, you know, an otherness and 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 a dangerousness to it um, for a child. And then... Uh, shortly thereafter with the British invasion in the United States and MTV yeah. and Duran Duran and Devo and Cindy Lauper oh and Madonna and, you know, and human league and, and Alphaville. I mean, yes. it's all, I, all of that was flock you know, as seagulls. you know, flock of seagulls in the hair. And uh-huh. so that the, the aesthetic of it and the sound of it and that it was so huge really impacted me as a, as a young person, as many young people get into whatever it is that they're into because it's what's they're, you know, presented. And, um, but the, I will say that as far as punk rock goes and moving from 
the mainstream alternative, which right. I mean, it wasn't. It was like really new alternative. Wave it was mainstream. Alternative with yeah, some of those bands we just living in California, I feel it felt more mainstream than mm. it probably was across the United States. Right. I, I mean, I didn't have K Rock at the time. I was getting in all of that. I was in Sacramento, but I think there was a very uh, strong alt station in Sacramento at the time. Okay. Plus, there were Friday night videos and whatnot. But the mall punks, I would see them, and I was enamored. I was just just enamored of the big hair and the strange symbols painted on the leather jackets and the lunch boxes and everything about the look I just thought was beautiful. And that's wow. what I, I wanted to look like them. And I wanted to know about what they were into. And I wanted to know, you know, what that skinny puppy symbol meant or that dead Kennedy symbol meant. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, symbols yeah. are very powerful uh, as, as you can see in many facets of cultures, especially art. And, um, and then, being a skateboarder, having gotten into skateboarding and Thrasher magazine, Thrasher skateboarding and punk rock were went very hand sure. in hand at the time, and I was right. educated about punk rock through the Puss Zone and um, and uh, is it was it called Random Notes? The th uh, there there were a couple of sections in Thrasher that were dedicated to music at that time, and and uh, and before punk rock, it was you know uh, it was when I was listening to The Cure and. Uh, you know, culture club and yes. What's so cool about it, so many of the things you just said when I was that age and I would see punk rockers, I rode the public bus to school mm. I would see some on the bus or at the mall. I had a reaction that I wish it would have been better back then. I was a little bit scared. Right. And thrown off. Right. And the things I were into was not necessarily the arts, but I love, love, love competition. What? So yes. Get out. So if there was a Interesting. game, no matter what it was, I had to be involved in it. So every single sports league I was in, and while I was not, you know, the best in the leagues or anything, I loved, loved, loved the competition. Wow. And just that like being part of this team and trying wow. to build it. Yeah, it was but I kind of looking back, I just it was maybe just the way I ticked then or my surroundings, but I kind of wish, and I talked to Brett Gerwitz in here, mm -hmm. um, and he mentioned that same thing that you did. He gravitated towards that. There were like six kids at his school that were punk rockers. Like, we're going to be punk rockers. And then he was like, he, you know, an outcast, and he said he was a loser in school and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah. That, I, I'm, I'm shocked to hear about the competition because as you and I relate on so many things, I am non-competitive. But I don't do you have to be competitive with your, I mean, I'm competitive with myself maybe more than anything though. Yes, but it's about, to me, I, I mean, the word competitive implies winning and losing to me. Mm. And that's never been something that's appealed to me. Yes, I am in competition with myself to, it's not even a competition. I, my, I am, I'm inclined and inspired and have a need to create something that I enjoy, that I'm happy with. Right, and, right. And as time goes on, there is a wealth of past that confronts me that makes that more and more difficult, but it's not a competition with the past and it's not creating something necessarily better or more winning than the past. It's something that is relevant to me and something that I am, I am happy with and I am proud of no matter what that, what, what that right. thing is. And with complete disregard for any sort of external reward Right, uh, right. Reward, reward in the co competitive sense. Yes. Like, okay. that makes um, sense. do not get me wrong. If 
AFI has a number one record or if Black Audio suddenly has, I don't know, what is it now? Three or four in a row, number one in the dance charts with Black Audio, the dance uh, billboard uh, stuff. On the, yeah, yeah, when that happens, I'm excited. I think that's that's great, but I, I, I have never been competitive. Um, I love games. I love games. I love, but I don't care if I lose. I guess I care if I lose, but I'm not a sore loser. Okay. I mean, yeah, I guess I don't totally, I mean, yeah, I want to win. If you play, you have to want to win a little bit to play. If you don't want to win at all, then then who cares? Then it's no fun. Right. Of course, I'd like to win, but if I don't win, uh, oh, well. So you go from the East Coast, family, then you guys go to Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And then what led you to Ukiah? So my mom met my dad uh, in Sacramento, and he got a job in this tiny town called Laytonville, tinier than Ukiah, California, which is a very, very small town in Mendocino County, uh, which is where people used to have to go for their drugs before they could just go next door. Wow. Um, And What's the population, like 15,000 in Ukiah? I don't know what it is now. Um, but my father got a job in Laytonville, which was a town that had maybe a gas station and one like Burger Shack, whereas Ukiah had four gas stations mm-hmm. and a f- four screen movie theater to give you an idea of where we were. And uh, so we lived in that town, which was the capital of Mendocino County, while my dad would commute an hour back and forth from Laytonville. Laytonville, you're familiar with Lookout Records, Striker? Yes, of course. Laytonville is where Lookout Records started. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, and you probably know that Trey, Trey Cool of Green Day, yes. is from Willits, right? And I think that, so Willits is a itty-bitty town just south of Laytonville between Ukiah It's and... Um, between Ukiah and Laytonville, Willis. But uh, that's how we ended up. That's how I ended up in Ukiah. I was devastated. Moving to Ukiah from Sacramento felt like moving to the Ozarks from mm. Manhattan. Because of there's you were losing friends or because there was, I was not lo- a lot going on there? Yeah, I was losing record stores. I was losing oh, theaters. Wow. I was lo- losing shows, live music. Um all of those things that were and still are very important to me. However, um, had I not been there, I wouldn't be right here. That's right. Because yeah. that's where you meet Adam that's Carson. That's where I met Adam Carson. That's right? where I met Mark Vic- Blackwelder and Vic Chalker. Well, yes. Victor Kenyon is Vic Chalker's actual name. Um, Mark Estopheles, as many people know Mark, right. the original members of yes. Of uh, AFI, Marcus Stoffelis, like of course. A bicycle career or something? Uh, did, did he? I think, is he a pro I think, cyclist? I, I know pro. he's like, cy- yeah. He Mark was always um, one of those people who, whatever he got into, he really focused on it and he excelled at it. Uh, which is why we were able to do AFI because none of us knew how to play our instruments, with the exception <laughs> of Adam. He'll say he couldn't, but he could a little as opposed to zero, which was the ability of. Mark and Vic, and then I could sing a little. That's why I ended up being a singer, as you probably know the tale. So choir, was that choir 15 boy. years old, 14 years old? 15, yeah. Fifth, and Nick 13 is in your town as well, isn't So he? Nick 13 was in that town, and... Uh, from Tiger Army, everyone knows Nick 13, Tiger Army. For Nick 13 from Tiger Army was in that town. Jade Puget was in that town. Um, Jade's, the first AFI 7-inch was a split with Jade's band that he was in at the time, called Loose Change, uh, because we pooled our money to enable to be able to press 200 records. Right. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, and you said Aaron Rodgers was there Aaron and Phoebe. Aaron Rodgers was there for a bit, and Phoebe Bridgers, I think, spent it, some time in that it's town. It's so strange because I ended up meeting Aaron Rodgers, but not from that. You I, met Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. He's Where did really, you meet Aaron Rodgers? He's really nice, um, and he's a vegan sympathizer, and he was friends with um, someone who works for AFI, a couple people who okay. work with AFI, and coincidentally, literally randomly, those two friends of mine who work for AFI and I were had a day off in Hawaii and we were in a smoothie store, some some sort of like health shack. Okay. And um, they're talking to this guy and they introduced me and it's Aaron Rodgers. And at the time, um, he's very famous to anyone else in the world, but right. I, I don't know who that is. So they explained to me, oh, he's, he's this person. And he said, did he go to UC Berkeley as well? I think he did. He did. Okay, so he's like, you know, I went to UC Berkeley, and my my dorm mate had your poster on the wall, so I was staring at you all the time. No way. Yeah, and then oh. I'd run into him at the same vegan restaurant, Crossroads, where I'd see Katy Perry. Yes. Uh, and uh, and he came to see AFI on the Blood Tour down in San Diego. Um, yeah, he's a nice guy, but I I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know him from back there and then phoebe i just recently found out who i don't know who i had this great experience with with phoebe the other day i well apparently i've met her but well here's here's the i love Damien. and the first oh and the first God. name basis is completely inappropriate as you will see by where this story okay. goes the first part of this story is my good friend leah was doing her makeup on a shoot in my mind i've never met her um but we have mutual friends and uh leah texts me from the photo shoot <laughs> and I forget that she's on this shoot. So I, it is kind of a, out of nowhere. It's one day she texts me and she says, um, so Phoebe Bridgers has met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> and that's strange. That's strange. Is your mom's still in Ukiah? No, she's okay. not, but she's in an even smaller town. Okay. Um, so it's strange. And I had no backstory on Phoebe Bridgers at this time. I'd seen her on Saturday Night Live. I had heard things about her, um, about how great she seems, like um, her politics and, you know, her, her voice, both metaphorically yes. and, and, yes, and literally. Yes, yes. And so I knew things about her and all the things were always good. And I was confused. And I said, what, how? And it turns out that, and she's trying to, my friend's trying to garner this information from Leanne while, I mean, from Phoebe while she's doing her makeup. And it turns out that Phoebe, I guess she lived in Ukiah, Stryker? I, so or don't something? quote me on that. I just, something. I think she may have lived there for a short time. Like a week or something. I don't know the, I don't know the length of time. What I, I want Phoebe Bridgers to start screaming at me. What I didn't understand <laughs> was how, because it's such a small town, how um, that wouldn't be celebrated so much for for such a successful you know commercially successful and artistically successful young lady to have had any relation to that town and for it for there not to be skywriting about it um i feel that way about your band though in that town well thank you honestly a 30-year career i AFI appreciate with that. 11 incredible albums I, I and people that. give a damn about you it's true and and 30 years in to have people care at all. I, I was thinking about it this morning as I was getting ready for the gym. It's 
it's such a it's such a privilege because of what we were talking about before. It means so much to me because I'm going to be doing this no matter what. I, I have to do it, and I'll be doing it. And I'll tell you, creating things with the prospect of people being able to receive it and possibly enjoy it and appreciate it on whatever level versus creating in a void is such a starkly different circumstance and and i'm so grateful to have a community of people out there for 30 years who care about what we have to say like to care about what we do it's it's so rare at any level and and um you know i again i'm so grateful so thank you whoever's watching this Thank you. It's, yeah, whoever's it's, watching this, I thank you as well. Yeah, we both. Th- I mean, we both thank you. I mean, whoever's watching this, and for whatever reason you're watching it, it's it's such a it's such a privilege, and I really appreciate that. And I and thirty years, it's shocking as we're in this thirty year anniversary, and we and I think about it, and I'm confronted with, um, you know, old photos and conversations. Um, it's just really surreal to to think that that band and and Adam and I are able to still do it. We, that was our intention. This is our intention. Hold on. Answer that and stay fashionable. Fashionable. Yes. 91, this record comes out. So go ahead. We're going to get to that. This is a little, if you're listening to this and not watching, you got to check out the YouTube video so you can see some of the items I have on the center table here. So that came out in 95. Oh, that came out in 95. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Of course. 95. I knew you knew that. 91, 95. Right. So what was the goal? Or were there none at that time? Did you say to each other and everyone that was involved at that time, guys, this this, this is the plan? Well, we always wanted to make music and release music. The goal with releasing our music always was to, first and foremost, really have a template for the live shows because it was all about performing to us. It was mm. that energy and that exchange and that community that meant the most to us. And to me, it still does. Um, and in addition we knew that what we were doing was so precarious and and just always on the verge of completely collapsing and for years and years something that no one cared about very 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 few people cared about uh, until i can give you the time span on that but certainly when we were putting out our first 7 inch in 92 93 94 it was when so the band existed for um between 91 and 90 the early 93 in Ukiah, California, but it was when I moved to Berkeley and the rest of the guys moved to Berkeley and we started to play in the East Bay like every weekend virtually. We were like the house band at 924 Gilman Street and that's where we used to go see shows. And so that, I mean, that's a whole way I could talk about that forever, like trying to get a show at Gilman Street and the first time we played there, it was such a big deal to us. The first so time that, you played there, did you get Hey, did it matter? No, no, no. The first time we performed on that stage, we jumped on stage <laughs> at a rancid show in like the middle of the lineup with some band's equipment that allowed, I wish I knew the band, thank you, who allowed us to use their equipment and jump on stage and play like th- three or four songs unannounced to like eight kids or something like that. Oh, yeah. That and was then, a rancid headlining show? Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, I believe it was. Or maybe Rancid wasn't even headlining the show at that point. Um, I wish I knew. But Someone did, does. Didn't Tim work on the first album in some sort of way or no? So, yeah. Uh, uh, yes. And, well, Tim came and hung out a couple times at the... <laughs> Um, at the Art of Ears when we were recording it, and he he did a vocal on um, 
Love and Me- Love is a Many Splendored Thing, not a cover, our own song called Love is a Many Splendored <laughs> Thing. Um, the, on a version that I don't think appears on on the on the f- official full length. Uh, but, I mean, to go back, to answer your question. Yes, yes. In addition, we wanted a record of our existence, a literal record, which is why they're called records, because we thought any day now we weren't going to exist because we wouldn't be able to sustain it for countless reasons. But we really found our home in the East Bay, and that's when I think of home. Honestly, even even though Los Angeles really, really feels like home to me, when I think of where I grew up and where we came up, I mean, it's the East, it's the East Bay, it's Oakland. And, and, you know, it's really my formative years were really, really there. Um, and yeah, we built a really great community in between 93 and 95, but no one wanted to put it out a record. No one ever wants to put out an AFI record. There was this brief time where everyone wanted to put out an AFI record. You remember it well. In, in fact, I saw Rob. Do you know Rob Goldklang? Yes, I do from Warner Brothers. He is the best. He, and I ran I into Rob. Yes. I ran into oh, this. I was reminded of you also. I ran into Rob at the Rufus Soul show. Oh, that was just past weekend. It yes. was so fun. He saved me. He gave us wristbands to go in this area where it was fun instead of the area that felt like we were sitting here and watching Rufus to Soul on your laptop. Right. But in, in that area, I saw Alessandra Ambrosia. Oh, yes. <laughs> which, which I believe the last time I saw Alessandra Ambrosia in the wild uh, was with Stryker. Yes. Um, you, I hopped in your car. Okay. So we started, we started at, at the, this is an insane thing for public. We started at the Angels after party at Mood, right? Yes. And then where I want to know, so you hopped in my car. Yes, you had a red car. I think it was. I still have the red you car. You still have that red car? I wish I did, covered in stickers. Oh, my God. I wish I did. It was a 1983 Honda. Yes. There was once a rumor when there were rumors like this about me that I collect Hondas. <laughs> and this rumor is based on me having had owned three, three cars in my life, the first of which was an 83 Honda, the second of which was a 97 Honda, and the third of which is what I'm driving right now, which looks like it's been in a demolition derby, which is the Honda that DreamWorks bought me, which was okay. not like here's <laughs> gift but if it weren't for because the, of the if deal it for, yeah because yes. of the deal i was able to buy this 2000 and anyone could date it by what i just said 2003 honda right um but uh we got in the first honda and drove to we went to like west la area so, uh, we were at like a reggae club right or like I, I a dub a set club. where club. were we i i know where it was but i don't know what it was it started off at a place called mood right we got in your car two gentlemen that are brothers named the chambers brothers were there Eric and Brandon Chambers. Okay. They were great friends, I believe, with Alessandra. Yes, because she was in the the, other angel. She was in the orbit. This sounds like, listen, I'm not a cool person. That night I felt cool. There was this couple, (laughs) there was this couple who wanted to take me home. There was this couple that just kept trying to, do you remember that that night? I do. I feel like we separated and they, and they, and I had to make out with them so they'd stop. And then did you end up going home with them? No, I didn't want to. And I didn't have any obligation to. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't remember anything of that sort. I do remember being in your car and driving over there. None of this happened to Rufus to Soul the other night. Damn. But I digress, as I will. I mean, we can sit here for 20 hours and do this. But um, no one, yeah, no one wanted to sign AFI. And uh, our friend Screw32 in the East Bay, who was the other band that claimed East Bay hardcore. Okay. Uh, 
because we played melodic hardcore at a time where that just was not happening. I mean, it's not happening now. What was happening, if hardcore was happening in the East Bay, it was what then was referred to as emo, which everyone thought was a stupid word then, but it referred to very aggressive, very artful music, not pop punk with the bad haircut. Um, And (laughs) so it was either that, that was the hardcore, or there was grindcore, or there was, um, you know, the punk was heavily leaning crust, um, or very Lookout Records, which had like a 60s garage vibe to it, or the other thing, every opening band at those shows back then, if it didn't, if it wasn't what I just said, it was, um, they either sounded, were trying to sound exactly like Green Day, Jawbreaker, or Crimp Shrine. Oh. We were none of that. Right. So Lookout would not touch us. Lookout Records was like, no, we don't care about that. Everyone, we Did tried. That crush we you have, though? We have rege- it made me sad that Lookout, I, we really wanted to be on Lookout Records because that we felt that was our community, but we couldn't get on Lookout Records. And um, yeah, all the labels. We have rejection records for rejection letters from Sub Pop and oh from um, Rev and uh, you know all and Discord, of course. And uh, but Screw Thirty Two uh, local <laughs> musicians started a new Berkeley label and put out to put out Screw Thirty Two because he recognized what a great fan base they have. And Doug talked to them and said, you should put out AFI. And there was our, our first record. And we were, when we had a wow. record. Yeah. And then you made records in 96, 97, like 99. Like you guys just kept going, 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 and going, yeah. and going. When Tom DeLong is here, Blink-182 had a similar like record, record nonstop. And uh-huh. I asked him, was that too much for you looking back? And he thought about it. He's like, maybe it was. But I think for AFI as a fan, that was great for your band. Oh, it's de rigueur. It was like it, it was just how it went. Like it was just part of part part of that world. All 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 of bands back then did that. It was just a cycle and and it was write a record try to somehow record it, try to get it out, and then try to play as many shows as we can or tour on it. And without Stormy Shepard, do you know Stormy Shepard? That sounds familiar. Stormy Shepard is a booking agent, and she was our first champion. And she, at the time, booked, she's from Salt Lake. She was a hardcore girl, and she booked, like, Quicksand, and uh, I think she booked into another Richie's band after Underdog. I don't know if you know those bands. And is it in the East Bay then? So she's in Salt Lake City, okay. but booking those New York bands, Rancid, uh, Social Distortion, The Offspring, wow. um, all prior. Well, Rancid was kind of immediately big, almost off the heels of the legendary Operation Ivy. Right. And of yes. course, their their prowess, their wonderful songwriting, of course. Um, but that was before, um, you know, mentioning The Offspring, that was before they had Smash both literally and smashes 10 million um, albums these all the smash albums but Whoa. stormy was the punk rocker that made tours happen and i remember meeting her at gilman street in the snack bar and saying will you book us and she said you need to tour a little bit first and i'm like okay but if you're not booking us this is gonna <laughs> you know just like everything else in life you know we can't help you do it until you're already doing it and so the swinging and others and i booked our first tour the swing outers in afi 
um, I think it was, I think maybe it was Max and I who booked the tour and we booked our first tour and then our second tour. And then after that stormy picked us up and that allowed us to really tour, um, in a much, uh, smoother way in that it was more likely the venues would be there when we showed up and it was more likely that, you know, we'd get 80 bucks or 80 bucks, you know, or something for, wow. I mean, you know, it sounds like, and I'm learning this more and more every time we have a chat that no matter what, this is what you were going to do. It seems that way. I, I would hope so. People have always asked, what do you think you would be doing? And my response is always, it depends on what I would have been brave enough to do. I love acting and I could see myself having gone into that, but that is a solo effort. So when you're embarking on a desperate mission, (laughs) you know, which acting is or the arts are, where if you're pursuing a life of art, um, not for commercial success, but in hopes of being able to continue a life of art, which unfortunately necessitates still feeding yourself basic human needs. and, And that's a push and pull that is very difficult. And as an actor, you're on your own and I'm not a hustler. And with AFI, I don't know, Dave. You're booking those shows early on, and you're listening to the, I, to Stormy say, "You guys got to play shows." Okay, we're going to play shows so you can help book us. I'm a worker. I don't mean hustle in like hustle around the court. I mean hustler in the kind of unsavory sense. I got you. You know, I I'm not you. a self promoter, um, and I, I I would need help, but w- if it weren't for that community, so acting doesn't have that community. Acting doesn't have this. DIY community where everyone's helping each other and everyone knows each other and everyone wants the best for each other acting. You're on your own and I have nothing to do with DIY. I mean, you need that agent. You need that manager. You need to know people. And, um, so that would have been something I would have liked to do, but I don't know if I would have been able to have the strength to say, fuck everything. I'm going to do this by myself. Whereas saying, fuck everything. We're going to do this. You have a crew. Right. You have you you have camaraderie and you have a, a singular vision and that vision for us was let's rock. And you stuck to your guns and you did it the way that you wanted to do it. We did. It was something we really needed to do, but um, you know, in the ten year retrospective, so like I mean in the thirty year retrospective, when thinking <laughs> about the the most that we've ever gotten press, of course, was on the biggest album in two thousand three. Um Actually, there was more press on the next record. The Art of Drowning in 2000 or so. Yeah. Right? That, I mean, that's... But not many people, like, in looking back, like, that record was was, um, in the underground, had a relatively great deal of success. It sold 60,000 records. But at the time, um, other indie artists were selling 80, 100,000 you know, uh, records. So it was in that relation, but there wasn't any press around it. Like maybe Ted Stryker played the days of the Phoenix once or twice and Aaron Axelson once or twice, but but no one else, no one else across the country did. So there wasn't really any sort of, there weren't interviews There were very, very few. So it wasn't until sing the sorrow that, that, that large amount of press began to happen. That was crazy with sing the sorrow before we get to that. Yeah. And we've already been doing this almost 50 minutes. So, Oh, Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get what you need before I before I talk to you. Can into I tell you what I thought about you like before we, I we'll met you? Yeah. That leads to a question. Yes. I imagined you as someone who didn't want to do any interviews, didn't 
just kind of mean potentially. And then the first time we had a chat on air, I don't know if it was like 2000 or 2001. I was, I was like beaming for weeks because it was just, I learned a lot and he just had a great energy. Thanks. So it's interesting that you say that because that was the impression that our manager, we never had a manager, but when we decided to sign to a major label, we also knew that we needed management. And so that was a, that was an interest. I mean, it's, ugh, again, we could talk for hours. There's all sorts of interesting moments in that time, both very, very, um, very, very stressful. And then of course, mm-hmm. very exciting. But I do vividly remember John Silva saying, they want to do press. They like doing press. And the reason is is because we never got to do it before. The thought of someone wanting to, you like, you want to talk to so us? So it wasn't that you were against it or didn't want to talk to anybody. No, it's no one wanted to talk to us. Have, didn't have a chance to do no, it that No, no one wanted to talk no to us. No wonder it well, went I, so well. Yeah, we were, we were uh, I mean, like, this sounds ridiculous to say, but I mean, we were punks and we were playing punk. I mean, for a long time. And even when the music shifted away from punk, that was our community. And, and that was not... The mainstream didn't care about that. They didn't care about the type of stuff we were doing, uh, you know. And and so, of course, there were zines, but there weren't even a lot of zines, yeah, um, yeah. you know. And so back to what you were saying, we did it the way we wanted to do it. You know, by the time we signed to a major label, it, that concept of scary major labels had really been debunked over and over and over again by many indie bands. But, you know, we learned from artists so many artists before us like oh you know okay well here's what we're gonna do we're in such a great position at that time in you know 2002 or 2001 where all of these labels want to sign us for whatever reason and um how we'll figure it out it'll be an easy choice because the one who we believe when they say if they say just do what you're gonna do that's the one. And, and if we get any of this, well, we want to do this with you or we want you to do this or that, then, you know, fuck them. Easy decision. Every label we've met with, <laughs> just do you. We don't want to fuck with you. We don't want to touch you. Just do it here. We just want to take what you do and let people hear it. And we're like, yep, that sounds great. But it was every label. So it was a pretty hard decision. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And was there a, a bidding war between the labels? That's I'm a, not asking for numbers. No, but did, that's, a, that's a, a fucked up story because we were... Um, we were being you're uncomfortable doing it. no no we, we there there was there was a bidding war to an extent but it wasn't that the major labels were put into a corner by the label that we were on who um had one record for us and um uh what seemed like a very let's just say as many many artists will attest if they've experienced both uh we learned that it is in fact the indie labels who smile at you and then stab you in the back. Whoa. The major labels are honest. Damn, sorry about that. We made it through. Here we are. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, were you, it's because you had done so many shows and put out a lot of music and toured and you did it the way you want and then it went from you're doing no press to a lot of press and then there's people who are considered mainstream. I think I'm a very mainstream guy who like, oh my God, this, who's this AFI band? And then I go back and listen to all these songs and I was in from the beginning Man, I heard so cool. of you. I was in from the beginning I heard of you. Were you personally ready for the avalanche of success and new people following you oh yeah it was great really (laughs) yeah it was i mean we we've always wanted as many people to hear our music as as possible and that was that was the case and we didn't know if 
we were going to successfully reach the amount of people we did and we did and and you have wanted that. to be as huge as possible sure still do um you know not at the cost of compromising right never right. have that's never been the case but um we never had to we, we were never confronted with that and um you know dreamworks did a wonderful job of providing us with the mechanisms to reach those people and it was it was a lot of fun as culture shifted and technology shifted it got to be a little a little weird some of the things that um didn't that i i was uncomfortable with was um as social media started to burgeon and um and the need for photos of who is perceived to be a celebrity for the person's social media and some sort of like big game hunting. Yeah, um, yeah. that didn't appeal to me because uh, it, it 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 made me feel like Mickey Mouse. Mm. But that was kind of later, and I often had conversations with people about it because I would refuse to take pictures because I was uncomfortable with it. And I'm like, I'll talk to you. Yeah, want to talk? No, I don't want to talk to you. I want a photo with you. Well, I don't care about your Facebook. At the time, it was Facebook. <laughs> yeah, like Facebook One. Before, right. maybe the MySpace. I think era before as well. it was. My, I think it was like maybe it went Facebook. Friendster, Makeout MySpace. Club. I was not on it. Friendster. <laughs> I was not on it. Then wasn't there a blip? Oh, Facebook and MySpace on neither. The uh, they were concurrent, right? There, I think it was MySpace first, then Facebook. Came. So it was. Yeah, I don't yeah. care about your MySpace, but um. So that was kind of tough, but that stopped. Did you ever, have you ever felt pressure as an artist? Like when you go make December underground mm -hmm. and you're coming off all this success and now you have a major label and there's all these people, all these new eyeballs on you. Did you feel any sort of nervous stomach ache? I, there's, there's always that, there's always mm -hmm. that pressure. Um, certainly there is more pressure when there's more people watching you. Uh, but we're always confronted with that, that pressure to create something that, like I said, we feel happy with and, and in order to feel happy with it, it has to be a progression for us. It has to be something fresh and new because when we create something that is too familiar, it's boring. Um, but then of course, yeah, at that time, you know, with December underground and what was going on with technology and music, uh, there was industry pressure, um, especially with the shift away from rock at that time. And we were just about to, right. you know, the club was very important then. And, um, you know, Jimmy Iovine was very focused on 50, 50 cent. Mm -hmm. um, so those, the pressure of which was beyond our control, the pressure was making sure we still have the attention of the people that are responsible for getting the attention of the fans. Gotcha. Yeah, which now is a very interesting circumstance. How to get people's attention, striker? How are you doing it? What is the way to get people's attention? Is it in ten seconds, or can you get people's this uh, is attention to long. pay attention in three minutes and forty-five seconds? <laughs> we have gone too long. Cut this into twenty-two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think people still have the patience to absorb ten songs at a time, or do you need to release two here, four there, one here, uh, four more, and six months from now? I think some people do. I uh, some people certainly do appreciate the long format play, uh, but not everyone. So, uh, as far as getting people's attention, I think yes. I think if you want people's attention, the best way to do about it is little bits of information. But then there are some of those people who will consume that and desire more 
And there are some people who won't, who may appreciate that little bit of information for whatever period of time, and and that's it. But that's the case. That's it's always it's always been that way. I mean, when you look at radio, you look at people who just like a song, and maybe that song makes them go to a show once or twice or ten times, and that's it. Right. Or, you right. know, it, so it, it depends on. And hopefully, and what happened with me, with you guys, it was one song led me to go back and listen to all these other right. songs. And then finding out the offspring covered one of your songs, Total Mortal. Oh, yeah, that was wild. Uh, I like your video for that song. Thank you. Yes. L- like yeah, we were talking about lot. we were talking about that video. Who was? Uh, recent, well, I guess I was writing about that <laughs> video because there was a, there was a, uh, on the AFI media of still or clips of that video was posted and um, I gave a little commentary about oh. my memories of, of filming it. And our friend, friend Brent, there wouldn't have been a video. That I talk about this in, in, in the post. Uh, or I write about this in the post. Not the New York Post. That would be cool, though. Uh, so there wouldn't have been a video for that song if it weren't for our friend Brent, who was a videographer and he really loved the EP and he wanted to make a video for us for free. And as I talk about, the label didn't want to do that EP at all. They didn't want to do it at all. I remember we were Jade and I were sitting up in the kind of squat that we lived in, one of the notorious frat houses that um, AFI lived in. There were two. And uh, and I said, hey, wanna?" this is what it was like back then. Uh, let's do an EP for Halloween. And he was like, okay, cool. And we wrote the songs. And we, we wrote like those two songs that are originals. And then we put... Misfits? No. Or the, I'm sorry, there's three originals on it? There is a Misfits song yeah. on it. And then right. are there... I yeah, there's three, there's three originals. Yeah. And we talked to the label about it and they were like dragging their feet. They didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. And they finally agreed to do it, but they didn't want to release a CD. So this was at a, this was at a time when that's what people listen to music on. We wanted to release, um, we want to release vinyl because that's what we grew up with. We want to release seven inches, but they only wanted to release a limited amount of the vinyl. Okay. Um, it was probably a thousand. Um, and we're like, okay. And we couldn't talk them into doing a CD and certainly we didn't have a video budget. And so uh, Brent made that video and he's like, I'll have you walk through this um, v- this very s- sacred to the Oakland community, East Bay community cemetery. That's very beautiful. It's this very beautiful property that people jog through and people walk through uh, at the end of Piedmont in Oakland. And uh, the first Green Day record is, is shot there. The, the cover of that record is underneath a tree that's in that okay, cemetery. Yeah. And, we kind of paraded about the cemetery uh, and we went to our friend, Chris Duncan, our friend, Jamie Riley asked Chris Duncan if we could shoot in his house. He's a fine artist, a beautiful painter. Uh, Brent went on to be a doctor um, and uh, I went on to, you know, <laughs> wear cut off gloves and talk to Stryker. Is this your low point of your career right now? Is By this- no means. Wow. No. If it right, if we're here, if we yes. just stop right here, this is good enough for me. Oh man, I'm having such a good time. We're an hour into I'm this. I'm sorry. There's it, a million well, other yeah. things that I want to. Can I ask you seven more, six more things? You can. What time is it? Uh, I have nor. It's past my bedtime. I'll tell you that. Do you know that I go to bed at nine o'clock at night? Is it really seven thirty? Yeah, it's seven thirty. 
Okay, oh, good. That's what I thought. I was okay, like, it can't be. Okay, uh, six thirty. You sure. get you you can have me as uh, striker. I I don't have to leave here till seven thirty. Okay, all right. So seven thirty. What as you, much as you want. Are you doing anything good after this? I am. I am. I'm going to have a great dinner um, at a wonderful vegan Italian spot called Pura Vita um, with some really good friends. Uh, many all of, all of which are artists. Um, uh, my friend. Anthony Anzaldo, who is in Colcade yes. and Ceremony, yes. and his wife, Heather, who is uh, an acclaimed, talented tattoo artist and painter. Um, my friend, Max, who is the mayor of, of all things pop culture, finger on the pulse, graphic designer. Yeah, and we're going to this great, uh, it was a great Italian spot. Uh, the, the chef who owns it is from... Queens, I believe. Mm. Yeah, she's from Queens and she's an Italian. And so she makes all this really traditional East Coast lean Italian food, which uh, means a lot to me because that's what I've, I grew up. Right. Um, did you enjoy the dream car experience? Oh, so much. Oh, you did? Oh, uh, this is Stryker. It was so, so fun. I love that record so much. You do? I, yeah, I love that. I love that record. I wish we had been able to tour on it even more and, and, and we could. The Coachella but performance was thank so you. Good. Thank you. I I feel like that was our first show. I, do you know? I don't know if it was. There the could be a fact check on this. I think yeah. initially it was going to be our first show, but we may have booked a couple of smaller shows around it to warm us up a little bit to perform that. And what a what a great experience! First of all, to have the opportunity to play Coachella again, being men of our age with guitars. <laughs> That's is, right. It's rare. Not just a turntable or a computer. Very rare. You, Tony, Tom, and Adrian. Yes. Yes. Um, it's such a privilege. And we had, when we performed the first, I think the first day we performed of the two weekends, I think maybe there were two songs released, maybe three. And by the second weekend, there were three songs released. And the tent filled up. Yeah. yeah People came and reacted and moved and applauded. It was really great. It was so fun. It was, it was four rock stars on stage who made great songs. Thank you. And everyone just wanted to look and be a part of it. Do you think, give me on a scale of 0% to 100%, that you'll make another song with those guys? 50%? 50%. I'll I would take that. I would love to. Um, Do they know that you'd love to? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it's, it's circumstantial. Like, uh, unfortunately... The dream car record for as much as we love it and for as hard as Sony tried and, and pushed it was a commercial disaster. Um, and that really affects the creation of, of music. But people were going to the shows that you were playing. Not a lot of people were going to the shows. In California, a lot of people were going to the shows. I mean, but as far as LA like bubble, nation, California bubble, we're like all the people. Thankfully, I love we're in we this. Thankfully, we're in this L.A. bubble. Yeah, it's a great bubble to be in. Um, the vibe was a different incredible. community. It was I so love fun. Dream car songs. I don't know if thank I told you. you that before. Striker, thank you. I, I again, I'm I couldn't couldn't be happier with that record. Uh, it was so fun to to write and create and to track and to perform. My voice is in its strongest place in in mm. that in that record. And um, you know, we got to I got to do things that I you know normally don't do in in other projects. It was such a great time. 
Here's my worst interview question of all time. I just thought of it four seconds ago. F. Mary Kill, Tony, Tom, and Adrian. Oh, I can't. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. I will not participate. I decline. Okay, moving on. I knew I'll that fuck them all. Okay, good. That's a great answer. I'll fuck every single one of those guys. <laughs> I'm turning red right now. And then kill myself because where do you go from there? Oh, my God. Okay, the bodies tours, we get into 2022, AFI. That's 100% huge tour happening right yeah i'm very excited oh. i'm very excited to I, I again speaking of records i love i bodies i, I i'm just again so happy with it. it it is at right now it was and has been my fa favorite afi record that's your favorite AFI yeah record. like wow. like by far and i really look forward to getting out there and playing some of those songs in addition to getting out there and playing other AFI songs and and performing with AFI, uh, I look forward to it. It's uh, you do know, you love being on the road? Mm, not really. I love performing. It's tough. Like I have a much better experience on the road if I don't harm my voice and uh, the way I perform and the way that I've been performing my whole life. I am have instilled myself with bad habits that I'm continuously trying to shake mm. um, vocally. Not, I don't mean recreationally. So with the rigor of travel, any singer will tell you this, it's hard to maintain your voice. If I can maintain my voice, I am just in heaven, as they'd say. They wouldn't have me, but if I were there, I would be with flawless vocals. So that's really fun. Um, but oftentimes we're out for long periods of time. I get these stupid sinus infections and it's traumatizing to me right. because despite how accepting and supportive the audiences, when I'm not at my peak, I'm st I still feel that I'm robbing them, that I'm not doing what I came to do. And I feel that I'm, I'm you know, I'm just failing my bandmates and oh, I'm failing man. the audience. It's, uh, yeah. So if that's not happening, I fucking love it. Um, but I also love being home. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be hard to get on the road since you've been at home so much the last two years? I don't think so. I'm looking forward to doing it. And again, just like rehearsing black audio songs, I'm so used to being on the road and I've been traveling so much that there's a muscle memory to it. And I just get back into the flow. There was a period of time where, uh, you know, as you pointed out, for a huge amount of AFI's existence, we were always on tour. We would tour for like a year in a van and it got to the point where I was more uncomfortable off tour. I, I would have um, social anxiety, not crippling, but I, it was difficult to communicate with people because I'd only been communicating with the same six, seven, eight people yeah. every day with the yeah. exception of here or there, someone else. Um, uh, so I, yeah, uh, it'll be, it'll be, It'll be easy to get, to go back on tour. Do you remember when we saw each other at 7-Eleven that one night? I was a mess. Do you remember <laughs> what a disaster I was? I do. You know what's interesting is that very- Can I share what happened? No, go ahead. Uh, well, you, did, I mean, did you comfort me? I'm sure you did. Seeing you, you I probably so cried. Sad. <laughs> I'm like, well, Davey, what's wrong, man? Um, Randomly at 7-Eleven, you get to run in Davey Havoc in LA. And I'm just a blue. I'm a color of a, sh yeah, a, shade, of, a shade of blue. Yeah. It's interesting that uh, that night- of the uh, party that we went to that night led to that night. Oh, it did? 10 it years a, later. Yeah, 10 years later. 12 years later yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Isn't yeah, that yeah. interesting? Yes. But it also led to this night, which is joyous. Speaking <sighs> of joyous events. 
And then you're going to leave here in a few minutes. I so don't want to go. I think I got to everything. Plus, All right. it was only three or four weeks ago we did the movie theater Q&A. That was so fun. And there were so many questions there that I didn't ask tonight. So the AFI fans, they probably saw that, and I don't want to repeat. But okay. I feel good. I'm happy. If you feel good, then I, I feel good. I have good energy every time I get to have the opportunity to chat. I, I love it. We didn't mention this. Well, okay, this for those exciting. listening and not watching, you have to go watch this part of the interview on YouTube. There's a cereal box in the counter. So this is part of a large retrospective of merchandise and memorabilia that we're creating in celebration of the 30 years of AFI. And um, anyone who was around for the first record, who has gone back and and taken that dive into the first record will probably know what this is referencing. There is um, one of my lesser moments of lyrical prowess uh, exhibited in a song called Serial Wars Okay, on this record, which I was talking about it on uh, the radio show I co-host on uh, Sirius XM Volume the other day, and our producer threw on the song. And let me tell you, it is it is an assault on the ears to hear, to hear me going, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> but the song is called Serial Wars, and the th- song ends with the line, Give me sugar, not nuts and twigs. Do I look like a fucking squirrel to you? So we have created for your enjoyment this squirrel crunch box. I love that. That's new merch uh, that is references 30 yeah. years of AFI. That's Here's great. the best part. Yeah. So there's not cereal in it. There is not, in fact, sugar cereal in it, um, nor healthful cereal in it. But there is a T-shirt in here that it's designed by Skinhead Rob. Oh, yeah, of course. A dear friend who makes absolutely wonderful art. And being that he was part of AFI for all of those years, um, created the I Want a Mohawk But Mom Won't Let Me Get One shirt. Oh, my God. That's great. There never was a shirt. I suppose if there are hits on that record, insular hits for the community, Mohawk was one of them that people wanted to hear. It's about my little brother. It's about my then little brother, my now younger brother, right. who is a grown-up. Um, but here's this great shirt that comes in, in the box. This is new merch here. Yes, and new merch. I know new AFI merch has uh, been released and is going lots to be released. Lots of it. Yeah. Lot, lot, lots of this for the for the really fun. Had Rob shout out on the design. He That's does so cr- good. He does Whose great idea was art. to put it in the cereal box? Well, initially I had come up with the idea. Oh, I'm s- stealing Adam's idea. Am I stealing Adam's idea? Let's call it Adam's idea. I think the cereal box was Adam's idea, and we were hoping to get cereal in it, but it's difficult to do for okay. countless reasons. Yeah. Um, it would have to be vegan. I would actually feel strange about giving people sugar and not nuts and twigs. <laughs> it was difficult. So then I think um, Samantha and Kristen at management had the idea of putting a T-shirt in it, and so we wanted the T-shirt to... Uh, also reference the album that Serial Wars is on. And there you have it. I think we're going to wrap it right there. Let's wrap. It's been a long, it's been a long hangout. It's a lot of information. It's been great. Davey, I think you do, but I hope you appreciate how your art, everything you have done over all these years has affected so many people in a positive way. I do. It's unbelievable. Okay, good. It's unbelievable. It's surreal. It's surreal because I, I, I would be doing this no matter what, whether anyone was listening and, the fact that there are people listening and they do care means everything. Good. It means everything. I'm glad uh, you know. And uh, I 
appreciate it. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thanks for being so gracious. Uh, AFI, the Bodies Tour in 2022. Of course, New Year's Eve, Black Audio. There's a ton of music that you should and could digest from this man and all his projects over the years. For Davey Havoc, I am Stryker. That's been our show. Happy snuggles. Bye-bye. That's another episode of Stryker's Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. <laughs> Maybe. Woo! What an episode, Davey Havoc! Guys, friendly reminder, you can watch every single episode on YouTube. It's the Tuna on Toast YouTube channel. Watch every single interview. Please spread the word. This is just me and you. That's how people find out about this podcast. I'm a totally independent podcaster. I'm an independent artist. Tuna on Toast Instagram, Ted Stryker. Very easy to find. Thank you again for supporting. Have a great rest of your day. Great rest of your night. Did I say it yet? I don't know if I did. Happy snuggles. Bye-bye.